Welcome to the Appalachian Baptist Network. We seek to equip, encourage, and engage pastors and church leaders in the Appalachian region. We focus on having conversations on church revitalization in the mountains and beyond. Your hosts are Matthew Jacobs, Brent Snyder, Jacob Gwynn, and Travis Tyler. Welcome back to the Appalachian Baptist Network, and I'm your host, Travis Tyler. And joining me today is Jaron Street and uh, guest host, Neil Nelson. Thanks for being with us today, guys. Thanks for having us. Good to be here. So I got some news we need to celebrate because we're kind of doing a downer episode on the topic. So let's celebrate something before we get too down in the dumps here. Uh, We are now entering October, the end of October here marks the beginning of our second year as the Appalachian Baptist Podcast. So we're now entering into year two. So we've completed a year of podcasts that you can go back and listen to. Isn't that great? Hey, happy birthday. That's right. So happy, <laughs> happy birthday to ABN. You can, it's hard uh, maybe, to believe it's already been a year. It is hard to believe, but it has been a year. And so this is like the official, I guess, season two of the Appalachian Baptist Network. <laughs> Consider this uh, the first episode of season two. And so uh, we're going we're gonna to talk about three words that are very painful for pastors to hear. And uh, it's not pastor, you're fired, although that could be painful. It's pastor, I'm leaving. Or pastor, we're leaving as, as in a family unit. Uh, Jaron, let me start with you. You're a senior pastor. When someone comes to you or a family comes to you and says, pastor, I'm leaving or pastor, we're leaving. What is the, what is the initial feeling you have as their pastor? Most oftentimes it's a feeling of, of hurt. Uh, pain and you know the the first question is why you know you want to know why they made this decision what has led to this decision what's happened uh, to get to this point so uh, but almost always uh, a feeling of pain and and certainly disappointment does it feel like in your you feel it in your stomach like in the pit of your stomach a lot of times oh Oh yeah, you know, and it's not the not the butterfly feeling. It's much worse than that. It's that sick to your stomach type. Yeah, um, feeling we're all familiar with in one way or another. Unfortunately, thoughts that come into the mind, right? What is the damage going to be? How how many dominoes is this going to knock over? What what kind of mess are we going to have to muddle through in the aftermath? What pieces are we going to have to pick up? Now, Neil, you're in a little bit different position. You're not a senior pastor, but you're still a pastor in leadership there. Uh, tell me what it's like when you hear this from a family, when they say, Pastor Neil, we're leaving. Well, I think it can go a couple of different ways. And, and, and maybe, because in some ways, again, we in the associate pastor role, we get the beauty of, of watching the train wreck, but not feeling like that train's running directly into us all of the time. And so... So in one sense, there's times where you can watch it and sort of be glad you're not in that position to bear the full weight of, of that pronouncement or any, any conflict that comes after. But in another sense, there, there's moments where you feel like it's your performance or what you've done that has sort of led to that point. And, and, and then I go one of two ways. I mean, recently we had a family step, like announced they were going to step back from our church. 
and it was directed over some concerns about a uh, direction I was taking in terms of, I guess, cultural engagement, which was entirely untrue. And, and so for me, it was actually somewhat of a relief that, hey, if I can get this couple to sit down with me, I think we can pretty quickly bring some resolution to these concerns. Um, but in another instance, I think it can be really challenging when you feel like, hey, what they're leaving for is something I feel like we're, we're being faithful biblically to, and, and we're going to have to wrestle with the consequences of that. And that, that can be rough because at least you have the confidence that you feel like you're being obedient to the leading of the spirit and faithful of the word. And yet you're grieved by the loss of a relationship and somebody you care about. Yeah. You know, that relationship's just not going to be the same after those, after those three words, you know, unfortunately you can. Uh, and, and I've had situations where, you know, they're leaving for good reasons. Like I have seen people leave to become pastors of another church, or they have left to go to the mission field, or they have left because they're helping another church that's going through a revitalization and they need a song leader and somebody to play piano. And this dynamic couple can kind of help in those areas. And so there are sometimes positive reasons that people leave, but there are also negative reasons. Now let's, let's dive into this negative feeling a little bit more. The Bible tells us, I, I think part of the reason we feel this, it's, it's, it's kind of a complicated thing for a pastor because there are layers to this. And one possible layer is fear of man and the reason that we feel the way that we do. The Bible tells us that, so one of the aspects that we see whenever they say to us, pastor, I'm leaving, pastor, we're leaving, is fear of man issues. The Bible tells us that fear of man is a snare. So my question here, brothers, is what is fear of man and how does it play into this multi-layered issue of emotions whenever we're dealing with somebody making that statement and, and pulling the ripcord and leaving the church? You know, I guess starting out, what is, is fear of man? Fear of man is uh, being uh, controlled by I guess what you think someone else can do to you or any control that they might have over you or your future. Uh, fear of man in the sense that uh, you want to respond uh, with worry and anxiety uh, because you know that this is beyond your control uh, and one of the outcomes might be rather than fearing the Lord, i.e. trusting in him, knowing that he is still sovereign and knowing that man can do nothing to you uh, outside of uh, the sovereignty of God and the permission and the things that he allows. So, uh, you know, when you you look at that and begin thinking, um, worrying about the future, uh, worrying about how you're going to get back in control of the situation, all of those things show me that's when the red flags begin to go up that I'm putting more into trusting myself or trying to figure out my solution uh, to this problem that's now come before me rather than continuing to trust in the Lord and to seek his will and to seek uh, his way in, in the situation and, and even moving forward on how to address this person that's just broke the news to you. When we're talking about fear of man, there is pressures that we feel as pastors that I'm not sure a lot of the congregation know about or understand. And those pressures that that haunt us and, and bear in on us are, you know, when you get that email from a church member and it's, have you listened to this person? The translation is, will you preach this way now? 
Uh, I remember one person sent a sermon to me once and the guy was preaching in the middle of the sermon. He said, well, you got a problem with what I'm saying. You're just going to have to build a bridge and get over it and just saying th- stuff like that in it. And they loved it. And I personally did not appeal to me and I didn't do anything with it. Uh, other times they may send you a list of, you know, we're in a political season right now of political issues and they've made those very important to them. And they may be pushing you to use your pulpit for a political rally. And there is a real pressure to do that. And personally, I believe that the job of the pastor is to deliver the word of God and feed the sheep to make disciples. And if we're making disciples, we will, they will know which lever to pull on election day. They'll know which button to push, you know. And so, so it can be lots of different pressures there. And then if they don't get what they want in those areas, they leave. And something else that I have noticed since I've been in ministry, starting in 2001, is that we have become more and more tribal in the church, right? So if you don't think exactly the way I think on everything, and you're not 100% with me on every detail, I'm out because I got a tribe that I'm, I'm hooked up and connected with through social media. Are you, would you guys agree with that? Yeah. Yeah. I think you're right. I think see that becoming more and more prevalent. And to some extent, that's the way social media is built in terms of they begin to understand what keeps you engaged and they feed you more of that, which can further isolate or alienate you from those who disagree with you. So it, so it does, it becomes sort of an echo chamber that, that allows us to, to, to see more and more people who are like us as, as being sort of the right way and then alienating or kind of seeing anyone who disagrees as the criminal or what is wrong with our world or community. Right. So, you know, so those are, those are unique dynamics that have been created, I think, just in the last decade and a half that we're dealing with. And because of that, we're seeing a lot of people that are just, they're just quick and easy to jump ship because of that. And um, so, you know, there's, there's several things that hurt. I, I think what is painful in this process too, not only the fear of man issue and, and how should we view that when we're struggling with a family leaving, maybe it's a family we relied on. We thought very highly of, they maybe even held leadership position in the church and they're like, I'm leaving. How should we think about that? Well, I, I guess for me, part of what I would say is, is, is use it as an opportunity to, to, to sort of sensitively probe your own heart. And so, so a question that bears asking, is there any truth to their concern or complaint that which might require us to, to change something we're doing or, or even to repent? And, and if we're able to look at what we're doing and say, hey, we are be, being obedient to the word of God and to the spirit's leading in our lives, then obviously I think that, um, that we can have some confidence in that. And a part of what I would say is in some ways, you want it to be gracious so that you've got sort of a split like, like Paul experienced with Barnabas, where ultimately it resulted in more ministry. And, and so that can be hard because it's setting aside our pride and, and us having to maybe swallow some of that, that pain that we're feeling. But, but, but I hope that even, even sort of poor circumstances can result ultimately in more glory going to the Father and, and maybe multiple churches now being able to continue their disciple-making mission. Do, do you ever see times where people say, I'm leaving, and they come back? Yeah. So our church has experienced that a couple of times. Um, and actually, one of them was related to a political situation that took place years before I was here. 
Um, it, it involved putting some political signs out in our, our church parking lot, and that's something that, that we don't do. Um, even though we, we, we as a church would support the position, that those signs regularly left our church for a while, but I think we left on, on relatively good terms, which allowed that door to stay open. And since I've been here now seven years, they've returned and been a blessing to our church and community. So, yeah, I've seen that happen when, when you don't, I guess, take a scorched earth philosophy to the follow-up, but, but try and have grace and, and forgiveness as, as you move forward and process it. Yeah, it, I mean, it can happen. I think definitely the rule of thumb or not rule of thumb, but the way that it happens most often is that there's not a return, right? Normally a lot of times feelings are hurt on both sides and that once the the relationship is, is sort of severed there and they seek to find and get plugged in elsewhere, a lot of times you don't see that happen. Definitely it, you know, it, it does happen sometimes, and oftentimes it's a beautiful picture of forgiveness and peace and restoration and just all that the gospel accomplishes in our hearts and lives. When you see those relationships mended, you see forgiveness given, and you uh, you see brothers and sisters of Christ coming back together for the work of, of the ministry and the calling that God's put, put before his children. So it, it's always, I think, a wonderful testimony of grace when that does happen i wish it happened more often but you know there's the other side of it too that it it doesn't always work out that way another another factor that causes pain to a pastor when people leave is the investment factor right how much time you've invested in the relationship with those individuals there can be a lot of time and energy that we pour into particular folks and then they can just kind of pull the ripcord on what we would see and view as secondary non-essential issues. That happens for, unfortunately, more often than we care to do it, which is one of the, one of the reasons I think discipleship is so challenging for pastors is we're not sure if we make this investment, what will happen, right? Yeah, I know. I mean, and you get a little of that, I think, even when Paul was writing his last letter to Timothy and, and here he's writing and saying, Hey, everybody else is gone. And so I want you to come quickly. And some of those leavings were, were people forsaking him. And, and of course we've never experienced anything like that. Although we can at least relate in the sense that so often those painful leavings happen in difficult seasons. And so you've got the difficult season. And then on top of that, um, men and women you've invested in, like your share and start to jump ship. And, and but, but I, and that we have that chance to sort of check our hearts um, and, and make sure that, that I guess that we're recognizing that ultimately their offense um, is not first and foremost against us, but against our Heavenly Father. And, and in that way, even the process of them leaving and recognizing potentially uh, their, the error in their way is going to be a part of their discipleship process. So, so all hope is not lost or finished when, when somebody abandons us. Uh, but God may still use that to refine them and, and glorify himself. And he's certainly going to use it in our hearts to allow us another opportunity to, to put him at the center or forefront of our thinking and our affections so that we're not falling into that trap of depending more on a relationship with men than we are on him. That's an excellent point. I was listening to a podcast with several retired pastors from an African-American denomination, and they were stating and sharing in there that, one of them said something very profound. They said, I wish I could send a thank you letter to everyone who has left me in ministry, who has abandoned jump ship. 
because when they left, it forced me to rely more on God than on them or on our numbers or on the church. And I thought that's a very good perspective to have to overcome fear of man whenever someone gives us those words, pastor, I'm leaving. Uh, another more minor factor that is hurtful to pastors is a statistical factor, right? Granted, in, uh, I don't know how it is in the E-Free Church, but in SBC churches, the larger churches are celebrated more at the denominational level than the smaller churches. And so that can mean, you know, if you take a church and grow it from, you know, 600 to 300, that doesn't bode well for your resume. It doesn't bode well for your income and livelihood even. And so, but, you know, the church is in an interesting position right now to where I, I think that a lot of churches are probably going to see some shrinkage before they see, I think in revitalization, most churches will see shrinkage before they see growth, you know. So let's talk about coping with this inevitable scenario we're talking about. If you're a pastor, this is going to happen. How, how do we cope with this? Like how, what, what should be our, our go-to here? How do we deal with this? How do we work through this? Because this is important, not just for our own spiritual health, but for our family's spiritual health and for our church's spiritual health. How do we cope when we have these kind of losses? They drive you to the Lord. Uh, you just have to. It, whether you think about the way that God tested Abraham when he called him to go up on the mountain to sacrifice Isaac uh, and went all the way to the point to where, you know, the angel of the Lord finally intervenes and the ram is provided. Or you think about Saul not long after he's been anointed to be king over Israel and the armies are mounting against him. God's doing all this as a test is what Samuel tells him. Once Samuel finally makes it, uh, arriving a little late, but by that time, Saul's already going about the business of offering sacrifices and all these things for himself. And uh, Samuel says, you know, the Lord tested you today. And if you would have been faithful, if you would have trusted, uh, then he would have established the kingdom. So so Samuel says that uh, if Sam, if Saul would have continued trusting, if he would have been faithful there, that God would have established him as king over the people of Israel. But because he was faithful, because he, he didn't trust and decided instead to take things into his own hands, uh, Samuel says God's chosen someone else. Of course, that would be King David that would come after Saul. But I think a lot of these times where we hear this, uh, no matter the reason, like you said, there are different reasons for church members to come and say, Pastor, I'm leaving or we're leaving. No matter the reason, it is difficulty and things that could be stressful, times of distress, are those things going to push us to trust more in the Lord? Or are we going to let it bring distance in our reliance on God and try to handle it in our own strength, in our own wisdom, in our own might? Or are we going to let it show us our weakness uh, so that God's strength can, may be per can be made perfect in that weakness? Are, are we going to let it push us closer to relying on him and trusting in him to build his church rather than us begin thinking, what am I going to do now? How am I going to move forward from here? Because the fact of the matter is Jesus said that he would build his church. And there'll never be any church member that comes and says, I'm leaving 
that's going to change what Jesus said about building his church. I think there's a, yeah, I, I think too, um, I, I mean, even going off of, of David's example, like in Sharon, um, he, you know, Dave, David was a great psalmist. And in his moments of, of suffering and hardship, he would go to the Lord in song. And, and, and his psalms written in lament can be awesome examples of, of how we can process both the reality and the depth of our grief, but also the goodness of God in the midst of it. I, I finished a book by um, Ed Welch, When People Are Big and God is Small. And, and he, one of the things he mentioned was uh, how important it is to, to set your heart towards God and worship regularly, which, which again, allows us to, to, to keep people and God in the right perspective where he is on the throne and not those people we're serving. And so, so you're, I, I really loved what you said there in terms of, of these are moments of testing. And, and so God is, is using that moment of testing to refine us. So these, these are moments of, of refining where, where God is, is allowing us to sort of open up our own hearts and see what's at work there and what impurities still still may exist that we don't even recognize in those good moments. You know, and, and do you think do you think that as we walk through these processes and, and we, we grieve the loss of, of dearly loved brothers and sisters, at least in our local church, do you think that, that God is going to allow that not to be used fruitfully um, going forward in our ministry and in our walk with him? God wastes nothing. That's right. Let me let me contribute one more thing on this this thought process. We have been looking at it here from our side, right? Let me flip that and say, can we have a can we try to see what God may be doing from his side? And one thing that I think is important to draw in this situation is sometimes when people leave our churches, God is protecting our church or us from something down the road. I want to just share a real quick story from another church in another state had a couple and a son. They seemed like they were ready-made. We all, Pastors, we love ready-made leaders, right, where they're ready to come in, start working and chugging away and, you know, unleash them to do what they can do. And, you know, they came in, found out so-and-so was at the church. Well, we're not coming back. Pastor, we're leaving. We're not coming back. And I threw a temper tantrum in prayer with the Lord. I cried out. I said, God, why can't you ever let me have these ready-made leaders that good to go and bless the church and bless us. And, and now we have to deal with this. Well, I think the Lord gave me what I asked for and it did not turn out the way I thought it was going to turn out. This family ended up being a major thorn in my side, hindered the work of the church. And even uh, to put in the words of the husband, went to war with me and the rest of the pastoral staff at the church. And it was brutal. And I think if I had just accepted God's will on the front end of that situation, the church and the staff and the pastor, uh, we could have all moved on in unity much more undeterred. But I'm, I'm convinced that God let me have that one so he can show me that he ultimately knows better. Because let's be honest, God hears conversations we don't hear as pastors. And, uh, and so that's hard, but that's true. Uh, so what is our relationship with these families like after they leave? Is it the same? Well, I think inevitably it's got to be different because because at least in that fundamental sense, local church wise, we we've co- covenantally we've changed. They they've entered into covenant and relationship with another body, and we want to bless that and encourage that. Um, and we're going to continue the work God has called us to as a local church. So in some ways, it's bound to be different, and yet it can still be a relationship filled with grace because ultimately, Lord willing, these are still brothers and sisters that we're going to be with for eternity. And so certainly they're different as we move in those different directions. But, 
But I think their chances for us to demonstrate grace and love and humility, speak positively of them um, and pray for their, their blessing and well-being for the sake of, of the glory of God and the kingdom. But certainly they're going to be different just because God has called us to different places. I would say that, and it probably has to change more so, the relationship when it's between the pastor or a pastor and someone that's leaving rather than just between congregants or members of the same congregation because what happens is certainly you no know, we still want to love them uh, we we still want what's best for them we still want to show them kindness we still want to care for them but in that decision to leave especially as it relates to a pastor the fact of the matter is you're no longer their pastor at that point and so as whereas you had a responsibility to them because of God's calling on your life to speak into their life as pastor, once they've made that decision to leave, the relationship at least has to change to the point that I am no longer responsible as their as someone serving in the role as their pastor. Now, you know, if they've gone to a different church, they've got a pastor that is should be filling that role that now bears that responsibility. And that's a role that's and a responsibility and a calling that's no longer on us or on the pastor at that point towards those that have left. And so, you know, you, you would still hope that you can speak kind to one another, that you could work together, serve together. Like you said, we're still looking forward to spending an eternity together in the presence of the Lord, uh, where there's not going to be any bit of hindrance whatsoever uh, in those relationships. And so you want to represent the love of Christ and, and you want to continue to care for them and to help and to be friends with them. But there at least has to be at the very, the very smallest part, a change in the responsibility had there in relation to pastor and no longer being pastor. But, you know, we all know that when you, when you're close to someone, you love someone and that hurt enters in that it has a way of changing relationships. And that hurt is always something that Jesus Christ can heal. All right. That hurt is something that, that the Lord can always take and mend and fix what's broken, but it's not always easy. I guess uh, there are certain types of hurt that takes a lot of prayer and there takes a lot of desire uh, and focusing in on, on what the Lord has to say and where he leads so that you can love and care for and, uh, encourage one another after that time of of initial pain and disappointment. Do we leave the door open for them to come back? And if so, what's that look like? You know, and, and I wonder if the answer would be different for us from a free perspective than it would for you guys, um, because I think that the Southern Baptists are, are a little better at clarifying uh, the distinction of membership and non-membership. Um, that's we we have membership, but it's not. There, there are many people that can attend a free church and for years and be actively involved as members. And I, I think that the clarity of membership for you guys, I bet that allows a little bit of a, a clearer reentry process where maybe you're able to address uh, some of the challenges you faced and, and see reconciliation occur, um, forgiveness where forgiveness is due, clarity where clarity is needed. I think for us, sometimes we allow people to reenter in. And my question is, is that heart issue so, so hopefully returning looks like a, a clear sense of, of addressing what occurred and, and, and seeking a biblical reconciliation of the relationship. I, I can think of a, of a scenario I had where I had to have a hard conversation 
And if you're a lay person listening to this and you're contemplating leaving the church, don't just ghost your pastor, right? I think we'll all agree on that. That's not the way to do it. You need at least have enough respect for your pastor to call him and talk to him about it. Better to be face-to-face, but if you don't feel like you can handle that, at least call him, right? Because I feel like they need to know, right? We need to know because of that responsibility that we bear. And that is, you know, I told him at the end, I, we said some things, and I, I said some things that were hard. He said some things that were hard. And at the end, I said, but you and your family are always welcome back at our church. And I, made, and I said the name of the church. So the door was left open. Um, I don't think they'll ever come back personally, just because of the nature of what happened. Um, because it was more, you know, member to member issues than it was pastor to member. But anyhow, but let's kind of close up and wrap up with one other question here. Uh, this has been a unprecedented season for pastors with COVID-19 and on top of that, an election cycle. And I think I would probably be fair to speak for all pastors when I say, I think we all dread election seasons. Would you say that's fair, brothers? Because of the pressures that come with it and the fights and the social media and all the angst. We have not seen a full return at my church. And I was reading an article the other day that said 95% of churches in North America have not seen a full recovery of attendance pre-COVID numbers. Will all the people who were at our churches come back now once COVID is over? Well, I think that's a tough one to answer with, with certainty. And yet, I, I think I, I've seen some similar statistics to what you were just sharing about. And, and I think in some sense, what we're going to see is, is we'll see a couple of things. I think, again, there, there's a sifting that went on in the local church. And, and I, I believe that God and his sovereignty intends this, again, to, to strip back and reveal the inner workings of the hearts of his people. And, and for some people, this has revealed that, hey, church was convenient, it was easy, and when it stopped being that, we were out of here. For others, they may allow some of the worries of this world or the, the trappings of this world to sort of distract them or, or grow up and, and, and choke out some of their fervency for the Lord, and they'll turn around. They'll, they will return over time because, again, that's, that's the work of the Spirit in our lives, not our own choosing, uh, so to speak. So I think those people will be back, and I, I think it could take time. Um, and and I, think, I think it gives us as pastors a chance to shore up and clarify within our church what does it mean to covenant to one another in membership? And, and how can we make that clearer and deeper going forward? Because this is, this is, as Paul David Tripp said, this is not yet persecution. This is just inconvenience. But someday, and that day may be soon, it will be persecution. And how are we as churches ready to handle that when it gets hard? to come together and worship him. You know, I, I'm interested to see exactly what is going to happen once COVID uh, is no longer such a threat. You know, one thing I've kind of picked up on a little bit is, especially here, I, you know, Neil, I don't know about the area uh, region that you're at, but here in, in Appalachia, there were so many families who were just so accustomed to the, uh, the three services a week and the expectation of being there and having that routine and and keeping that routine and then when that routine got disrupted uh, it, it's been amazing to see even the ones that have started coming back in person how hard it's been for them to to come back to what was once a regular schedule and it just gotten used to the habit of it the routine of it and now since that routine has been broken uh, just simply not gonna 
not going to get back into that that discipline and that that routine of of gathering with the saints. That, that's a good point to, that we we should close on there. And um, I know we've had some audio issues on this episode. This one's been riddled with technical difficulties, so apologize for some of the cutting out. I, I think that we need to remember that these are painful times that we deal with when we we are God's messengers. And hopefully when we walk through these situations well, we grow in Christ and we can become good friends to our fellow pastors when they hear those words. Last thing I want to close with, if you are a church member and you've listened to this, I hope you found this helpful and understanding for your pastor. Please, please, please don't ghost your pastor. I said it earlier and I'll say it again. Please have conversations. It's an opportunity not just for your pastor to grow, but it's also an opportunity for you to grow as well. So don't just go pulling me up there. All right. All right. Thank you guys for being on here. Look forward to next time. Thanks, man. Thanks, Travis. You have been listening to the Appalachian Baptist Network. Thanks for joining us. If you have a question or comment for our host, please send an email to Appalachian Baptist Network at gmail.com or send us a voice message on our Anchor website page at anchor.fm slash Appalachian dash Baptist dash network. Join us again next Monday.